All right, y'all, welcome back here to another episode of the Easy Money Sports Podcast. Um, of course, me, myself, Sanders here, as always. Got my boy Dupree with me. Yeah. What's going on, yeah. Sanders? What's going on? Hey, I'm living, bro. I can't complain. You, you, you feeling better? That, hey, we, 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 we good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling better. Feeling better, man. It was, it been rough this week, but we here. We here, so glad to have my voice back and everything. Nah, for for sure, bro. I, I, it's just that time. It's that time of the year, bro. With, with with the seasons changing and the weather just being, it's just it's crazy, bro. Like I mean, it's been like in the seventies, close to eighties here in Tennessee, and then like, bro, like tomorrow, nah, tonight. I think either tonight or tomorrow, it's gonna be like cold as hell. <laughs> It's supposed to it's supposed to drop off on y'all. Black, yeah, bro. I think oh, like um, uh, like highs going to be like forties. I think lows going oh, to yeah. be in the twenty in the twenties. <laughs> yeah, it's coming for y'all too, man. We just got a bunch of rain and stuff. We got a bunch of rain today, really all day in rain. Um, our game tomorrow is supposed to be like forty. I think forty degrees at kickoff, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Yeah, it's that that weather is starting to starting to kick in a little bit up here. We'll see. We'll see how long it sticks around. But when it rains up here, it's never good. If it rains up here, that cold front is coming. So we're gonna be here for a minute. It's gonna be like that for a minute up here. Man, if y'all and if y'all get it, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be coming our way soon. If not, at the same time, probably so. Yeah, we 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 getting ready for it, bro. I mean, obviously, here going through going through November, bro. It's November, very <laughs> uh, day. Twenty two. I swear, bro. Twenty twenty two kind of it didn't flew by for sure. Yeah, it flew by, bro. But man, we uh, uh a lot on tap on this episode, of course. Um, as always, we gonna. Getting into it and what's what's going on hype right now uh, with with with, uh, with football. I mean, obviously there's everything else is going on too. College basketball starting up. Uh, it's been starting up. Obviously the NBA is 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 uh, going on a month and a half, two months here. Uh, we're winding down here in college football. We at the halfway point of the NFL season. Uh, I mean, like it's a once again, it's just one of those. One of those best times of the year. We just got a lot of stuff going on, man, and, and and it fits for every sports need. It really doesn't matter. Whatever you like, they got it for you at this time. Mm-hmm. Man, so as we look into it with the uh, with, with college football, um, now going into uh, the, the the second week of of the college football playoff rankings, um, to no surprise, obviously uh, Georgia moves up from number three to number one. Ohio State stays put at number two. Michigan jumps up from uh, number five to number three. And then uh, TCU, uh, which, you know, we talked about last week a lot, kind of figuring out why they were so, you know, low. Now they are in the top in the top four and they're ranked at number four. And then you got uh, Tennessee dropping down to five, Oregon at six, LSU, um, the two-loss team here that's here at, in at seven. Um, and then we got USC – um, and then Alabama and Clemson uh, rounding out the top ten uh, in the in the college football rankings. So, 
you know, we 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 talked in depth a lot last week on last episode, uh, you know, with the with the rankings and how everything was. And you know, we obviously we said not to harp on it too much because it was the first rankings. Uh and you know, teams were going to play each other and it was going to be settled on the football field. Obviously, you know, last week we saw, you know, Georgia and Tennessee play each other and obviously Georgia came out on top 27-13. Um LSU getting that big upset win against Alabama uh, with the two-point conversion going 32-31. to 31. Clemson getting demolished <laughs> by Notre Dame, making them drop. Uh, and then, obviously, TCU kind of getting their respect there, finally going in, in the top four. Is there anything that you see um, in the rankings that, um, whether it be in the top, in the middle, in the bottom, however you want to do it from top to bottom, is there anything that like uh that you saw that kind of like caught your surprise or you were expecting or didn't expect or, or anything like that? Uh no, not really. Everything that, that happened, I expected. I expected Georgia to be number one, I expected Ohio State, Michigan to be in that top three. Uh and then obviously TCU moving up and being in that fourth spot. Um, <laughs> Tennessee didn't fall as low as I maybe would have thought, especially with LSU beating Alabama, um, Oregon, uh, USC, I believe. They moved up mm-hmm. one spot. Um, so some of that surprised me a little bit. Um, but as far as the top four, I wasn't I wasn't surprised with the top four. Uh, and there's still games. Obviously, Ohio State Michigan mm-hmm. is still going to work itself out. Um and then TCU, we'll talk about them a little later on. But they have they have a tough test this weekend coming up versus Texas. So still a lot of ball to be played. But um, the only thing I would say, I mean, obviously they dropped four spots, but they were number one. So you see them drop four spots, and that's a big drop. But when you go from one to five with some of those other teams that are still there, I think that 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 shows you how how confident and how much the committee really mm-hmm. believes in Tennessee and what they had done up until that point uh, when they played Georgia. So I guess they're really holding that 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 mm-hmm. Alabama game along with those other rank you know those other rank mm-hmm. wins that they have but that Alabama game in particular seems like they they're holding that W mm-hmm. in high regard. Yeah, I, I'm kind of not surprised that they didn't didn't drop um, that low. And I think what I think what helped Tennessee not to drop so low um, were the the losses that Clemson and Alabama suffered. I think them I think having both of them lose this past Saturday kind of helped Tennessee not to 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 be out of it pretty much. I mean, they kind of sitting in a in a good spot to where that makes sense. That makes sense. I, they they're kind of sitting at a spot to where it's like even though necessarily you know they they haven't been eliminated from being from being winning the East yet in the SEC, it kind of was the de facto SEC East championship game there to figure out who's going to represent the East. But them not having to to play probably in that in that SEC championship game. But if they win out, uh, which I believe they have. Who is this? South Carolina. They still have South Carolina to play, Vanderbilt to play, and Missouri. 
I know it's not in that order, but I think those are the three teams that they got left to play. Um, they're probably going to be favorites in all three of those games. Uh, you know, barring any upsets, they should win those games. So, I mean, if they go 11-1, and one, they can make a strong case saying that my one loss is against the reigning national champions in Athens. Um, they, 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 can, they can make that case. Um, I think another thing that shocked me, though, was the fact that even though Clemson and Alabama lost, they didn't drop as far as I thought they would, especially Clemson, because, you know, we, we talked about it last week. We was like, that's the team that couldn't afford to lose, and they go out and just get demolished <laughs> up there in South Bend. And I think it kind of shocked me that the fact that they were kind of still both ranked in the top 10. I can kind of see Alabama just because, I mean, if you think about it, I think what the two losses they got combined, four points, yeah, the, the field goal to Tennessee, a two-point conversion from LSU, uh, both on the road. So I can kind of understand why they probably would still have Alabama in there. But Clemson, I mean, you know, they've been skating on thin ice here recently anyway. And, you know, we talked about how much, you know, their wins didn't mean much because other the teams that they did beat start to look a little weaker. And then they just get trucked pretty much in South Bend by Dame. To still be ranked at 10, I thought was a bit high just because – well, like, I guess, you know, they still have a chance to win the ACC champion, championship, but I just I just don't see them making the case now. They, to me, they had to be undefeated. Them and TCU were the two teams that, like, had to stay undefeated to for real make a case because of just how how, how the wins that they've had doesn't don't look as effective as they do now because of the way that the conference is shaped out. So mm-hmm. I think that's what, you know, I think that's that's one thing that surprised me. And then I think the committee wanted to make sure um, that, okay, last week we kind of, we I don't, don't want to say they messed up, but last week they kind of just kind of like disregarded TCU and what they've done so far. And then I think they realized like, well, okay, let's, let's kind of give them a legit shot here, put them in the top four. They, you know, they got a, they got a, like you said, got a big game here against Texas. Obviously, they're still trying to make their way to, to be, to be a representative in the Big 12 championship game. So, you know, there, there's a lot here. There's a lot there at stake with, with that. But I think that was the biggest surprise for me was just kind of seeing, especially, like I said, especially Clemson kind of still ranked in that, in the top 10, um, just because of, like just the way, I mean, the way that they lost, I just thought that was just not. <laughs> it just wasn't. It just wasn't good. Yeah. I think I think Ole Miss was on the bye. I know Ole Miss was on the bye. UCLA, the two teams that didn't jump. UCLA, you know, they won on Saturday. They beat. They beat Arizona State. I know Ole Miss was on the bye though. So maybe yeah, they that's were. the reason why. Maybe that's the reason why Ole Miss didn't they didn't put Ole Miss in front of Clemson because they had a they had an idle week. Um, to me, that would be the only reason why they would have did that. But yeah, I mean, like you said, we we talked about it. Clemson, Clemson was the team that we both agreed that couldn't afford to to lose a game, and they did. And the fact in in the fashion that they lost. I think they're done. Even if they win the ACC, I think they're done. Um, they beat Wake Forest, and Wake Forest I think is better than the regular shown, but they Wake Forest had some bad losses. 
Um, they beat NC State. NC State has been up and down. I, like So they've got some, like you said, their top wins don't look as good as some of the other teams that are that are ahead of them. Um, the, Syrac- the Syracuse win doesn't that that really don't mean nothing now because they haven't won since they lost to Clemson. So yeah, so just, they uh, I think they got it right with the top four. I think they got it right with the top four, and we've been going back and forth. Me and some of my coworkers and some of the players on the team been going for, back and forth about who they think is going to be in the top, who's, who they think is going to be in the in the playoff, and. Two Big Ten teams, two SEC teams. Can Alabama get back in? All this stuff. Um, so it's. Uh, I think this is the year where it's not as clear cut. Normally, it's kind of clear cut as to who is going to get in. But with with the teams that we're used to seeing in having one loss, two losses, um, you get some new players like a TCU. Um, like a Tennessee, like a Pac-12 school for Lord have mercy. We ain't seen a Pac-12 school in the playoffs. In about five, six years? Yeah, it's been about five, five six, six years. It's Washington with uh, John Ross and they like, it's been so long. I think Buda Baker was on that team. Like, it's been God forever. Golly. Since we've seen a Pac-12 team in the playoff. So, I think this this is going to be interesting coming down the stretch. It's gonna be interesting coming down the stretch. I'm excited. Uh, you you and you mentioned you mentioned the Pac-12. I kind of want to talk about them for a little bit because obviously they have uh we're really four. They got four teams right there in that top 15 um with Oregon, USC, UCLA, um, and Utah. And obviously they have Oregon ranked as the highest uh Pac-12 team right now, with obviously their only losses coming open today um against uh, against against Georgia, who probably at this point, at this stage, I mean, as long as they don't have like a a weird loss anywhere down the road, if they if they get to the SEC championship game in twelve and zero, which they they probably should, uh, I think they're probably the only lock, if you even want to say it, you know, safe to say that they're like the only lock probably right now yeah. in, in the playoffs. But going back to the Pac twelve, um. I think looking at it, obviously there's there's Oregon, USC, UCLA. Now I think now you see USC and UCLA still have to play each other. Yep. um, In a couple of weeks now, next next Saturday actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So USC USC has Colorado. They they should take care of them um, next week, and then I believe UCLA plays Arizona. Um, So they're getting ready to they're getting ready to match up with each other here. In a, in a couple of weeks, um, so that's pretty much going to be like a de facto elimination game to see who will be going to the Pac-12 championship. And you know, the Pac-12 got rid of divisions, um, so they're having it to where it's just the two best teams playing each other for the conference championship game. And then you got Oregon, which is is it's um I know we we kind of all thinking we all kind of thought with everything happened out that way and what happened week one and then what's been going on with USC that. It, it would probably be USC's conference to to lose, um, but when you look at Oregon right now, how much um, leverage do you give them? The fact that the committee has them at six, um, I think that's a to me. I think that's a pretty good spot. You know, we would 
we, you know, we was chopping it up in the group chat. You know, we got some Oregon guys, and you know, most of us SEC guys, and then we got a couple of Big Ten, Big Ten guys. So we all kind of just chopping it up. But you know, a lot of you know, a lot of the guys was basically saying like Oregon doesn't have a shot, and it's over. They're not gonna. It don't matter what they do. Um, I, I don't know about you, but me, I'm on the opposite of that. Even even with me being an SEC fan. I'm on the opposite of that. I see Oregon sitting at six, and I think what's so crazy is, is they have – they got these next three games that they got to finish the season are some really like – they're not easy. They're going to be some very tough games. So they got Washington at home, uh, Utah at home, and then, of course, the rivalry game with Oregon State. Um, So they got a chance here to really boost up their resume. I just, I just feel like – if they find a way to go through that gunlet and they go eleven and one, and then they either meet up with a rematch against UCLA or play USC, and they win the Pac-12, I don't see how they get left out of this conversation of being in the playoff. Especially when we know that somebody in that top four is going to be gone just because Ohio State and Michigan is going to play each other. So, how do you see Oregon, or maybe even we'll throw USC in there because they're at eight? How do you see there is a chance for any of those Pac-12 teams to really make a statement to 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 try to snatch one of those last two playoff spots. They got a good chance. They got a real good chance. They have to keep winning though, and, and both Oregon and USC have tough schedules to end the season. Like you just said, Oregon number twenty-five, Washington coming to town uh, tomorrow. On Saturday, and then you have Utah coming to town next week, th- number 13 in the country. And then you go to Corvallis and play Oregon State. USC to end their season. They play Colorado this week, but then you got UCLA, and then you got Notre Dame. Now you get Notre Dame at home, but those two games to end the season, those are rough. Now I think what hurts what hurts Oregon, and this is this is kind of people have to get out of. Man, I don't want to see that matchup. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see Georgia whip up on whoever, you know, whip up on TCU or whip or whip Oregon or whatever it is. Like we have to get out of that mindset of you don't want to see a matchup because you know what's going to happen. This is supposed to be the best four teams in the in the country playing. Now, obviously, Oregon got routed early this year when they played Georgia. They said it was a neutral site. We talked about this when before the before the season uh, when we did our show before, right before the college football season started. That was not a neutral site. They played in Atlanta. That's not a neutral site. That's a home game. They might as well play that in Athens. So, and regardless of the, regardless of it. They got whooped. If Oregon goes and runs the table and they win the Pac-12, especially with what happens, whatever happens between Ohio State and Michigan, the conversation is going to be, I'm telling you, Sanders, the conversation is going to be should, say, say Michigan loses to Ohio State. You have one loss Michigan and Oregon wins out, wins the Pac-12. Should Michigan get in over Oregon. That's going to be the conversation. People are going to be asking that question, especially if Michigan I, 
If Mitch but Jones I feel like that shouldn't him, even be. I feel like that shouldn't even be a conversation. And that's my. And that's, <laughs> and, and that's my. And that's my thing. It's, and even I think if USC, if USC was to win, was to win out and win the Pac-12, I don't think there's even a, a discussion. I think people automatically know USC is in. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? But I see I what you're if, saying. I think if Oregon wins out and wins the Pac-12, people are going to be looking to see, hey. And maybe USC, maybe USC to a degree, but people are gonna be looking to say, "Hey, man, should should Oregon be in or should Michigan be in?" Michigan, to me, if you lose, you done. I've held this, I've held this position since day one of the playoff standards. You know me. If you don't even play in your conference championship, you should not be in the playoff. I didn't say win. You didn't even play. In the conference championship, you should not get in the playoff. The the committee messed that up one year, and I keep harping back on it. But this is but you messed up. Ohio State had two, or did they have two losses or one? No, I think they, they just had that one. They to Penn had State. the one loss, but they had the one loss to Penn State in 2016. Penn State wins out, wins the Big Ten. They put Ohio State in the playoff after not even playing in the conference championship. And they got whooped by Clemson. Now, does that happen at Penn State? Maybe, maybe not. But you don't even put the conference champion into the playoff. And I think Penn State that year had two losses. So you give so you give the nod to a one-loss team who lost the head-to-head versus a two-loss conference champion. Michigan, in this case, to me, Non-conference is way too weak to get in if Oregon wins the Pac-12. You played Colorado State, UConn, and Hawaii. Yeah. As a non-conference. You should not be in the – you have to be undefeated. You got to win your conference. You need to beat Ohio State, and you need to win your conference. Same thing for Ohio State. Ohio State might have a different – might be a little different, but – Ohio State, to me, it's the same thing. You need to be undefeated. You need to win your conference. Because at least at least Oregon can say, we lost to the number three team in the nation the first game of the season. A non-conference game. Where Ohio State's toughest non-conference game this year was who? Probably, probably Notre Dame. Notre Dame, week one. That was their toughest and they and, and they and they, I mean, and Notre Dame kind of been like, up and down. Yeah, yeah you know what I'm saying like now them being Clemson, that makes it look a little bit better. But before that, that win didn't look all. That win didn't look great, and they won twenty one to ten, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, twenty one ten. So um, the Pac twelve definitely has a shot at getting in. They just can't beat themselves up. And I think with US, like USC still has to play Utah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What am I looking at? I'm looking at the wrong thing. Oregon still has to play Utah. Like Utah has been a thorn in in Oregon's side oh for the longest. Oh my God. <laughs> so like this could still like this USC could 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 make it into this thing. They could if they keep winning, they could find themselves creeping back into that into that conversation of getting into the playoff because 
for some reason, Oregon can't find a way to beat Utah, whether it's in the regular season or in the conference championship. So we'll see. It's it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how it unfolds. The Pac-12 definitely has a shot. Yeah. And, I mean, we're not talking about but UCLA. I mean, UCLA only has one loss, too, now. Oregon, yeah. So I mean, if they, I mean, if if UCLA wins out and end up playing, it's a rematch against Oregon. If they, you know, if Oregon wins out too, so it's a rematch yep. for them in the in the um, in the Pac-12 championship game. And you know, pretty, the the winner there can really, for real, make a you know make a strong case. I mean, mm-hmm. but it's it's funny that I heard you mention saying that um, how how you view it. If you were like, basically, if you if you were a committee member choosing how this need to go, if you don't play in your conference championship game, you shouldn't be oh, in. And we 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 we've seen schools. it. We 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 seen it done a couple of years. You mentioned Ohio State. Uh, I think Alabama. That happened with them one year. They didn't play in the conference championship game, but but they still got into the playoffs um, due to Georgia beating Auburn, I believe, that year in twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. So Alabama didn't get in one year not playing in the conference championship. So obviously that's going to lead to a, a, another SEC team that I'm going to that I'm going to mention. And I mean that's Tennessee. So it uh, so if it was up to you, you you saying Tennessee is done cuz even though like I say even though they aren't uh, they haven't been technically eliminated from not clinching the East. They already lost the head to head to Georgia and I don't think Georgia's going to drop these next two uh, conference games that they got. I don't even. I'm trying to. I know. I know they got Georgia Tech at the end of the year uh, for the rivalry game, but they have. They play Mississippi uh, State. This Mississippi week. State. Mississippi State and down in Starksville. That's so. That's that's not easy. But you know and who knows. And then they got Kentucky. Yeah. To me, I think I, I don't. I don't see them dropping those two. I don't see them dropping any of those. Both of those. At least not both of those. Champ, uh, conference games, and 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 then they have Georgia Tech. So I don't I don't see them doing this. I I already think the I already think the East is clinched in my mind, even though it hasn't been technically officially clinched. But I think it's already been clinched just because I just don't see I don't see Georgia losing two games back to back in conference play. Um, but the, by your standards, you already say Tennessee is done. They're out, right? If everything holds the way it is right now, I would say I would say this. Now I I think that the SEC still has still has the best shot at getting two teams in, and that's what I was trying to explain to to a couple of the, of our of our players. I'm in Big Ten country. I mean, I'm in Ohio. Everybody up here bleeds. By, yeah, the bias is real. Right. Yeah, it, <laughs> Everybody believes, you know, they all, everybody was Ohio State fans up here. Um, but trying to explain to them that, like, the Big 12 can't get two teams in. The reason why the SEC could get two teams in is because if, say, everything holds out the way it's supposed to, well, oh, not the way it's supposed to, but the way it is right now, and it's Georgia versus LSU in the SEC championship game. Ohio State and Michigan is going to work itself out. Let's see TC. Let's say TCU runs the table, and they win the Big Twelve. They're undefeated. So Georgia wins the SEC. That's one. Let's say Ohio State wins the Big Ten. That's two. 
TCU wins the Big 12, that's three. Let's say just like every year, the Pac-12 finds a way to mess it up. <laughs> let's just say. <laughs> yeah. Who's next? Or let's say you have the, the you have USC, the Pac-12 champion, and Tennessee. In my mind, it should be USC. They won that conference. There's going to be a lot of people and a lot of people on that committee that are still going to be looking at Tennessee saying, are they not the fourth best team in the country? So even though Tennessee lost, they still should feel pretty confident about getting into the playoff. I think they should be done. What would really mess it up is if is is if LSU wins the SEC. If LSU found a way to beat Georgia, that would mess it up. That throws everything off now. Yeah. That throws everything off now. Um, but I just like I just I don't I don't see it, man. Like I just don't see it. I don't see it in my mind. I don't see a way where Tennessee gets in. Like you lost the head to head already to Georgia, and you did. It's the same thing as Ohio State to me. Like you already lost the head to head to a to a team, and that team won the conference. I can't throw you in over another conference champion. I just I can't. I can't because regardless of what people want to say about the Pac-12 or whatever, you know, whatever whatever conference, it don't have to be the Pac-12. Whatever people want to say about these other conferences, you still got to go out and win it. Like, you still got to go out and win it and go undefeated or whatever it is. Like, you still got to go do it regardless of if you think the the conference is cupcake or this or that or whatever it is. You still got to go do it. And so the fact that they did it, you got you to reward that. You got to reward that team, man. Like, I don't see how you don't reward them. So... Tennessee is Tennessee right now is in the perfect spot. They're in the perfect spot to make some noise. Um, they just need to keep. They can't lose. They can't lose another game. They can't lose another game, and they need some help. They're gonna need some help. Ole Miss is still a factor in all this too. Mm. Like that's why I'm saying. Like that's why it's so. It's so. Like, it's still early, but that's why it's, it's also messed over. Like, Ole Miss still has one loss. Ole Miss plays Alabama uh, this upcoming week. They play on this weekend. So, if Ole Miss finds a way to beat, Ala- to beat Alabama, Ole Miss is still a player in all of this, too. Because Ole Miss, all they would need for LSU to do is lose one time. And they're in the SEC championship. You see what I'm saying? Like, Tennessee, there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot. That could still happen in the SEC right now. And Tennessee just has to, they they need some help. They just got to sit back in and handle their business and hope that the the, the chips fall in the, the right way. Yeah, I think me personally, I think Tennessee needs the most help out of everybody. Um because it's they it's a, it's a lot of things that they can't really control. Like they can't say, "Well, if we win if we win our conference, we, we should be in." Or if we play in the conference championship game, we should be in. Like the only thing they can say is, "Is oh, well, our only loss is to the number one team in the country." 
and that's fine and dandy. But if we get to it to, like you said, let's just say, you know, pretty much Ohio State, Michigan, that's the de facto Big Ten championship game because they should beat whoever's coming out of the West. They should beat them. So let's just say, let's just say so for the sake of argument, it's um it's it's Michigan. Let's say Michigan finds a way to beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. Uh, Georgia beats LSU or Ole Miss. Boom. So we know those two spots are there. And then let's just say, let's just say TCU runs the table. Let's say TCU runs the table. Boom. That's three. And let's say we'll, we'll go Oregon. Cause since they're right there at six, if Oregon goes run the table, finish 11 and one, win the pack 12, go 12 and one. And I know the debate at that point is going to be discussing is do you put in one loss Tennessee at four or do you put in one loss conference champion Oregon at four? To me, I'm right there with you. It's Oregon because they won their conference. And then they can sit there and say, well, they can sit there and say, well, Tennessee fans can sit there and say, well, we only lost to Georgia by two touchdowns. You know, that touchdown was kind of late. Let's just be real. And yeah, Oregon might have lost 49 to 3, but that was week one compared to the first weekend in November. And on top of that, it's a comp they're they're a conference champion. That is one of the guidelines that they put in there that supposedly is supposed to give you that upper hand and to make you like an automatic qualifier pretty much in a spot. Mm-hmm. And that's the point I was trying to get across to, you know, to the guys in the in the in the group chat, you know, some of the homies and everything like that to let them know like this this is what I'm saying, like they got a shot. Oregon has a shot. They they need some help, but not as much as Tennessee does. Tennessee Tennessee basically needs they 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 need like you said, they really need they need the Pac twelve to one of them teams in the Pac twelve to slip up and lose another one. And they need TCU to lose one. At that point, if one if one of those things happen or both those things happen, then I think they get back in that conversation where okay, boom, you put them in at four, yeah. and then there's a re- there, there's a rematch or whatever but like that. That's exactly what's going to happen. What you just said is what is is what's going to happen. People going <laughs> to compare. People going to compare. If it comes down to Tennessee and in in Oregon, they're going to compare that Georgia that the, the Georgia games. That's what I they're going to do, bro. But that's I think that's, I think I think that it's like to me. I think that it's so unfair to judge it based off of. Uh, a number of a score of, of a deficit because I mean Oregon played them at a techni- technically neutral site and Tennessee played them in Athens and we you, saw you know what I'm saying and we saw the difference of what that is of playing them in Athens then the and, and, and I, week one I mean we 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 saw we seen it one year before we seen it in the year before Ohio State. Lost in like week one or week two to Virginia Tech, and then they went and ran the table. So I feel like you shouldn't. To me, I feel like early non-conference losses against good non-conference teams shouldn't punish you if you run the table and you win your conference. I feel it's, like it shouldn't be a discussion. People are gonna talk like they're gonna be looking at it. They'll look at it. They'll compare them. And, and and the other thing too, the other thing too, to have two teams from the same division of a conference too. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. to have two teams from the same, not just the same conference, but the same division as well. Like that's 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 I don't I don't know. It we 
find the best four teams. Find the best four teams. But I don't want to, I just don't want this to be a what's the best matchup? What's the best matchup? Because that's what it was when Ohio State, when they put Ohio State in to play Clemson that year. Well, we think that the matchup between Ohio State and Clemson will be better. You'll get more TV. Like all that stuff go plays into it too. As much as we don't talk about it, the TV ratings, fans going to games, all that stuff, all that stuff matters too. All that stuff matters too. Like TCU could TCU could win out and win the Big Ten. Some people might question that TCU could should get in because of what I, because of that fans turn off for games. This, that, and the third, like all that type of stuff. The matchup, like who cares about the matchup? Yeah, we want to see a good game, but I also want to see the best four teams that play. I want to see the best four teams play, and if these teams win their conference, that's once again why I think they just need to go to six. But that's another conversation for another day. But it's this week. This is another week because we got a, a good slate of games. This is another week where it, it, it's going to work itself out. This, you got three weeks. We got three weeks where all this stuff is going to work itself out. It, it has no other choice. These teams got to play each other. They got to play the rest of their schedule. And the, the, these remaining schedules for these teams, the Oregons, the USC's, the, the Ole Miss, the Alabama, like uh, LSU, like these are some tough games that they have to play. So it's, it'll all work itself out. This, uh, by Thanksgiving, we'll, we'll really know what's going on. By Thanksgiving, we'll know what's going on. Yeah, I, I feel like as long as there's no like complete like utter chaos, utter chaos. I, by yeah, by Thanksgiving, it should be clear cut. We'll know like if this team wins, they're in. If this team wins, they're not in, or you know whatever. And um, it, it should it should definitely for sure play itself out by um by by Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. Hopefully, there's no like real controversy. It can be boom, boom, bam. These the these the four teams. This is who's going here. This is who's playing here. And we'll we'll see y'all New Year's Eve or whatever the dates of the game is going to be um, yeah. for the semifinals. You know, man. So like you said, bro. Hey, it's a lot of good games on tap here for for college football this weekend. Uh, plenty, plenty of. Uh, Playoff stips, uh, stipulations, New Year's Six Bowl stipulations. I mean, it's a uh, it's, it's a lot on the line for a lot of teams this week again. Uh, so the first game on tap, we'll we'll go into a conference that really we hadn't talked about all year. Um, but obviously, this this conference is always, for the most part, I think outside of maybe one year, they've they've always been the representative of the of the uh, the Group of Five. Um, a team to to represent in the in the New Year's Six Bowl, and that's the American Conference. Um, and they they got a good one on tap here. We got number twenty two UCF um, going down to New Orleans and playing uh, number seventeen Tulane. Uh, Tulane only one loss on the year. Um, and of course UCF, they're not a stranger to these games. They've been in a lot of these games. Been in a couple of the New Year uh, Six playoff games. Uh, you know they've been successful. Uh, they got the they got the transfer uh, John Rob Plumley, who used to be the former Ole Miss quarterback down there balling. Um, pretty much, I believe the winner of this game is the 
the big inside track to represent the conference if they you know they go on and win um when I went out went out after this to to represent the conference to be that group of five representative in the New Year's Six Bowl. Uh who who you who you got in this one? I think this is gonna be a real good game. I think it's gonna be a real good game. I really have it I have it I know of I obviously with the recent success that UCF has had, everybody watches and, and pays attention. You got Gus Miles on down there um, coaching these boys and everything and they've been rolling. Um, for a couple of years now since Scott Frost. Um, but Tulane has been an absolute surprise to me. Um, I did not expect Tulane to be this good, to be ranked top 20, to be ranked number 17 in, in the uh, in the country right now. Um, I'm going to take, take UCF to go on the road and get this dub, get this W this weekend. I think that this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think you can see this being um, talking about thirty-plus points for both teams. Um, but I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Gus Malzahn at UCF to to get this one done this weekend. Yeah, I like um, I like UCF in this one as well. Um, man, by the way, Tulane undefeated in the conference play. So yeah, obviously, what probably what this would end up doing is. I mean, depending on what happens, even if they don't, even if they don't win, even if Tulane doesn't win tomorrow, I mean, they still have another chance to still get back into the conference championship game and maybe get a rematch with UCF if they take care of SMU and Cincinnati afterwards. With Cincinnati, that's going to be a tough game too for them. But um, I, I I like UCF just a little bit more. I'm right there with you. It's definitely going to be a high scoring game. Uh, I'd be shocked if I'd be shocked if both teams didn't hit at least. I want to say thirty-two. I'd be I'd be shocked if both teams didn't hit at least. I'll say at least twenty-seven um, if that don't happen. But I think it's just gonna come down to the the schemes and the plays of, of Gus Malzahn and with the offense that he has with UCF. I think in in the end they'll have just enough to come out on top and and, and get a big road win against uh, Tulane. Uh, let's see. The next game on tap will go to the SEC West. Um, man, this is this is a uh, a big game right here. We got number nine Alabama going down to Oxford, taking on number eleven Ole Miss. Um, man, this is. I, I mean, I think I don't. I don't think they'll be in regardless. But I'm um, obviously this is for at this point. Bama's got to be playing for pride, just to not have three losses on the season. I couldn't tell you the last time they had three losses in a regular season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that they've had. So it's another. This another tough one. They on the road. Going down to Oxford, and then obviously Ole Miss, uh, they're chugging along. The only one loss is pretty much, you know, against against LSU in the second half, where they pretty much just got dominated by LSU. So, like you, you mentioned earlier, Ole Miss is trying to get back into the flow of it. Well, not back into the flow, but still be in that conversation. And if a win right here would definitely help them kind of uh, ease their way back up into the – more up into the rankings if they can get it. Um, who you got in this one? I think this is going to be a fun matchup just because of Lane Kiffin and how who he is and uh, his personality and everything. Obviously, you know he's going to be looking to get this. This, this a, is a big game going down in Oxford, 3.30, kickoff, CBS. Um, Ole Miss, man, has looked good. They look good. I, 
all except for that second half of that that loss to LSU. They look really, really good. Um, scoring about 37 points a game. Alabama scoring 41. I, I just I, I just I don't know if I see Alabama losing two in a row, man. I don't I don't know if I see Alabama losing two in a row. This this and no one's really I mean, Dave. Alabama's had a rough schedule with these road games, man. <laughs> like, man, like, man. I, was, I don't know. Tennessee has some expectations coming to the year. I don't think people expect this and what they've done so far. Um, but on the road to Tennessee, uh, Tennessee has looked. And then anytime you go to LSU, whether LSU is down or if they're up, you go down there to Death Valley, you play in, at night. It don't matter. You're always in for a dogfight down there. Um, and then now you're on the road and Oxford going to play a good old Miss team. I just don't know if I see Alabama losing two games in a row. The game is at the, the spread is 12 and a half is 12 though. They have Alabama favored by 12, which is way too much in my estimation, but I'm going to take Alabama. I'm going to take Alabama. I think Nick Saban, I think Bryce Young, I think they find a way to get it done on the road. Man, I'm 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 looking at Alabama's schedule, bro. You're right, bro. The, the road games that they've had this year, bro. I mean, had to go down to Austin to play Texas. Uh, eat that one out. Uh, the road game in Fayetteville against Arkansas. I think which which I think that's the game that uh is that the game that's the game that Bryce Young got hurt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think and, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to had to have the backup come in, so. That one, obviously, the the Tennessee game, and then last week against LSU, they they've had a killer road schedule. Now they have to get go back again and <laughs> and play uh, play Ole Miss, which this is pretty much. I mean, this is like they last. No disrespect to to Austin P and Auburn, but this is like Alabama's last regular season game. <laughs> so so I mean, you know, I, I I'm I'm right there with you. I can't see them losing two two games in a row. I, I think um I think it's gonna be very entertaining. Um that offense, Lane Kiffin and his offense is gonna be ready to play. I think Jackson Dart uh will have the that run game is gonna be ready. Um because for some reason, like the Alabama's defense on the road just isn't like as dominant as it used to like this defense isn't as dominant on the road like they like Nick Saban's defenses usually are. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's kind of strange. So I, I'm right there, which I think that spread at 12 is a lot. I, I feel like that's a lot. Um, And I don't, you know, maybe that could be, maybe they could be just saying that they don't think Ole Miss will be as, as explosive as they normally are against other teams. But um, I, I, yeah, 12 is a lot. I don't know about that, but I can't see Alabama losing two games in a row either, especially not on the road. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if Ole Miss pulled it out, but I just can't see Alabama losing two in a row. So I'm gonna roll with Alabama too. And you know, if that happens, that pretty much puts LSU in the in the SEC championship game. So obviously, all the all the LSU fans are is crazy. They won the beat Bama last week, and now they're gonna be cheering for them next week tomorrow just to make sure that they get in. Uh, man, next game here on tap, I think. Uh, 
it's a very important game, but I feel like nobody is talking about it a lot. I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot going on with, uh, you know, Alabama Ole Miss and, you know, the, the other game that we got coming up here with uh, TCU and Texas because college game, they would be down there uh, Austin again. But I feel like nobody is talking enough about this game. And like it's because we mentioned them and, you know, we just just how it is with the Pac-12. But we got Washington coming in at 25, Washington going up to Eugene. We're well, going down to Eugene um, to, you know, face uh, Oregon uh, down down in Eugene. Um, like we said for Oregon early in the show, this is a big, big, big game for them because they, they got a chance to pull off three big ones here um, and the fact two of them are here at two of them are going to be at home. So, and this is the first test. Um, Washington has a very explosive off- offense with Michael Penix Jr. Um, and and it's it's coming, and they and they like to travel. But obviously, uh, outside of that Georgia game, Bo Nix has pretty much been spectacular. He's been stellar. Um, who you got in this one? Excuse me. I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to take Oregon in this one. Uh, I think Washington is another squad that is, has been a, been a thorn in the side of Oregon in recent years. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take Oregon to win this one at home. I think that helps Oregon these, these next couple of weeks with these games being at home. These home games, helping them out. I think that Bo Nix... Is playing well right now. Then that offense is clicking. The defense has stepped up, found ways to get stops, be opportunistic, um, stopping the run game. This is going to be a challenge. Michael Pennis is going to challenge that that Oregon secondary. He's going to challenge them throwing the ball, throwing the ball down the field. So I can see this being a game where it's high scoring. I think that the Oregon UCLA game was like forty-five to thirty. I could yeah. see, I could see the score being somewhere in that in that realm, something like that, 45, 40, 45, 42, something like that. Um, but I'm gonna take Oregon. I'm gonna take Oregon at home. Yeah, I, I think that the fact that this game is gonna be at home for Oregon, I believe that this is that's gonna help them tremendously. Um, for them, to, for the home crowd to be on their side, uh, it's, it's a big time game. Like I said, it's another chance to, to you know, to prove themselves, um, to keep building on their resume. And I, I think just the fact that it is at home, I'm gonna go with Oregon as well to, to pull out the to the dub against Washington. I think I'm right there with you. It's gonna be a high scoring game too in that one, uh, for sure. But I think Oregon finds a way to 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 win that one. And then um, the, the biggest game probably on tap um, this week um, in college football is because multiple teams are kind of watching this one as well. Um, obviously, we got number four, TCU, undefeated, um, going down um, to Austin and to play Texas. Um, let me Number 18, Texas, let me give them their correct ranking. Um, this is pretty much um, – it's a, it's a big game, especially for TCU, because they kind of I think they are they they're this week's Clemson as we talked about last week. I mean, they just they did that. They're the team right now that can't afford a loss because I think the minute that they lose, it's over um, because the Big Twelve has been less than stellar uh, this season. 
Um, as a whole, I mean, as as a whole, it's still been a pretty good conference. But you know, if outside of TCU now at this point, there's no shot of of the of the playoff at least um, outside of TCU. So. Does TCU keep it going and keep the undefeated streak going, or does Texas pull off the upset? The fact that TCU is over a touchdown underdog in this game, I think is a little disrespectful. I think... Obviously, this game being on the road makes it tough. Going going to Austin and having to play Texas is going to be it's going to be rough. It's going to be a tough place. That's a tough place to win a football game. Um, Texas has picked it up over the last couple of weeks. They've found their rhythm offensively. Um, they they found a way to to score the football, get the ball to their their playmakers, get the ball to Bijan Robinson. Xavier Worthy on the outside. They've they've got it going. I just, I think that I think that TCU offensively is rolling as well, and I think they've shown flashes defensively that they can make some stops and win some games. I think they've won games in a multitude of ways that has them, that has them battle tested. For a game like this, they've won a game in double overtime when they went and they beat Oklahoma State. They've won shootouts. They've won low scoring games. They've, you know, these close games and everything like that. I think TCU is battle tested and ready for this game in particular. I think they go in and they beat Texas on the road. Um, and I almost want to say, like, I feel like I keep picking the favorites, but. TCU is not the favorite in this. They're as they're the underdog. So um, I'm taking TCU. And I can see why. Uh, I guess in a way I can kind of see why they got TCU as an underdog. But I don't see why. <laughs> I mean, because I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they, you know, maybe it's just because it is maybe it's just because like as you like you talked about earlier with USC Oregon. Maybe it's just you hear the name and you're just like that's why I'm going I'm to go with Texas or something like that or whatever. But, uh, man, part of me, part of me wants to say Texas can pull this off. However, I don't see it happening because like you just mentioned about TCU, um, they've been battle tested already. They, they've won tough road games. They won a tough road game uh, against Kansas earlier this year. And I know, that's Lawrence compared to Austin and the stadiums and everything like that. But it's it doesn't matter what conference you're in. It is tough to win on the road. So I, I'm I'm never going to discredit that. I mean, you know they they've gone through their gauntlets. You know, even even last week they struggled a little bit with Texas Tech. I think they were down by ten at one point going into like third or the fourth quarter. Um, but they found a way to win that one. So. They've been finding ways to win, and I just think that they'll find a way to get, uh, do it again this week. And I'm going to go with TCU as well. So, like, we we look like we all in, in agreements with, with, all the, with all the games this weekend in college football. Here we go. Uh, Here we go. I, I, it's a couple of them that could go either way. All of them really could go either way. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just saying, you know how, you know how it is. When we, when yeah. We, 
So we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, but we'll go ahead and we'll move on over to the to the to the pros, man, and to the NFL. Like I said, we we've already started week ten, um, so we're more than halfway uh, over the halfway point of the season now. Um, divisions are starting to take shape. Um, we're starting to kind of see some teams that we were kind of surprised of, and then some teams we kind of disappointed in. Yeah, disappointed in them too, huh? <laughs> but um, man, we—I mean, you know, halfway through the season now, and you know, obviously, this is where people start to start talking about, you know who they think is the front runner for this award, that award, this award. So, I mean, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and, and get into ours, you know, now. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little mid-season award. So, um, let's, let's start off with, we'll start off with the rookie. So, who you, who you got for your right now? Who do you think is the front runner for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Offensive Rookie of the Year, right now, I'll probably say it's Kenneth Walker. I would I'd probably say Kenneth Walker, running back out of Seattle. Um, he's been the feature back for them. Seattle, quietly, very, very quietly. No one's really talking about the NFC West because everybody thought that everybody thought that the Rams would repeat as champs. They would win that division again, or San Francisco. No one really thought that Seattle would <clears throat> would be number one in that division right now, especially with Geno Smith okay. being being the quarterback. Kenneth okay. um, Walker has a lot to do with their success right now. He has a lot to do with their success right now. He's the leading rusher, 570 yards rushing. Um, he has uh, seven touchdowns on the season, averaging 71 yards a game. I think he, I think in my opinion, he has helped this offense and helped Geno Smith be able to flourish and play the way that he's played um, so far this season. And a big reason why, especially because he's come on strong, especially these last, um, he didn't start off too, 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 too hot right at the beginning of the season, week one, week two. But since then, he's come on very, very strong for Seattle. I got, I got Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I'm uh I'm right there with you. I'm going with Kenneth Walker as well. Um I didn't I think um I think if I think if Brees Hall never got hurt, I might have would have thrown him in there to to kind of battle yeah. it. But obviously, um Brees Hall with the with the torn ACL for the Jets kind of throws it out the window. And um it's it's crazy that we talk about injuries because I mean, you know, Kenneth Walker wasn't even the feature back at, yeah. at, at the beginning of the season. It was Rashad Penny, and then obviously uh, he gets hurt, and that just that just opened it up really for Kenneth Walker. And then now you're noticing like he probably should have. Well, I ain't gonna say you know hindsight twenty twenty. Now you can say he probably should have been the feature guy from the jump, yeah. or at least been getting you know those same amount of touches, those same amount of touches uh, that Rashad Penny was getting, but. Yeah, he's he's definitely part of the reason why Seattle is sitting at six and three right now for sure. I think he, he I think if I'm not mistaken, I saw a stat that Kenneth Walker leads the league in fourth quarter touchdowns. I think six of his seven touchdowns have came in the fourth quarter. So he's pretty much been closing the deal 
for Seattle when it's time for them to, you know, to 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 get these wins. I mean, they six and three. I mean, they got some they got some good wins. They've already swept uh Arizona twice. Um they beat the Giants, they beat the Chargers. Um I mean, they got that big week one win against uh, Russell Wilson and the Broncos. I mean, outside of the, the, a couple of other losses that they have, they but even still, they they've looked pretty good. And obviously, nobody like you said, nobody saw this coming. I honestly thought that you know we didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. We I thought they was going to tank, try to get ready to get one of these quarterbacks coming out. Um, but right now, they look like they've done the biggest finesse with their Russell Wilson trade right now uh, for what they got because the, the the rookies that they've got from those picks have all contributed to them. So. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm going with Kenneth Walker as well for my offensive rookie of the year. Uh, what about defensive rookie of the year? That's easy, man. It's Sauce Gardner. <laughs> yes, sir. It's Sauce Gardner. I mean, the man, he's got two picks on the season. I believe it's 13 pass, def- uh, pass deflections, which is tops in the league. Um, you're talking about just in general – I don't think – I think that he has – like his completion percentage of when being thrown at him is tops in the league. Um, He's one of the better tackling cornerbacks in the league. He's – I mean, there's – you you don't throw at him. Teams don't throw at him. He's allowed 20 receptions. He's got 46 targets. There's a lot of 20 receptions. Um. Six three, two hundred pounds. Like he's just, he's a he's a nightmare matchup. He's bigger than a lot of the receivers that he's guarded more times than not. Um, he just keep making he just keeps making plays. Um, so that's it. Yeah, I, I don't. This sauce Gardner. I don't. I don't even know who would even be second right now. I think it's his. It's his to lose, in my opinion. It, it probably will be his to lose. I think they will give it to Sauce Gardner, um, just because of you know the, the 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 playmaking ability that he has been making. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with another. Uh, I'm gonna go with another rookie here that hasn't really um, gotten. The same amount of talk I think as he should as as Sauce, and I think it's just because of the fact that it's where where he's located. But that, it's crazy that team is doing good too because we just talked about it in Seattle. I'm I'm a Tariq Woolen. Um, okay. He he would be I mean he would be my pick, but I know they're probably gonna go with Sauce. I think he is the second one that's closest to him, but it probably will be Sauce. But I, I like Tariq Woolen. I mean, twenty five tackles so far on the season. Uh, four interceptions, so he's tied second in the league in interceptions. I mean, obviously he doesn't get the attention as much as like Sauce does. The fact of him being in Seattle, Sauce being in New York, the matchups that he that he's had so far. Um, you know, Sauce has gone against a plethora of receivers week in and week out. So I think that's another thing that helps his case too. Um, it's not too many. It's not too many number one receivers that or top receivers that Seattle has just kind of just faced consistently enough like what Sauce has. So I can see why it would go to Sauce. Um, but I, I like Tariq Woolen. Um, I think he has a, has a pretty good uh, rookie season as well. But 
I, I would go with Tariq Woolen, but I know it's probably going to end up going to Sauce. So that's who that's who I would vote for for my defensive rookie of the year. I would go with Tariq Woolen, but I know it's not going to happen. They're going to give it to Sauce just because, you know, it's it's, it's Sauce. I, I really don't know what else to put it. But, I mean, he's been playing well, too, so I'm not trying to discredit Sauce Gardner either. He has been playing well, so I wouldn't be surprised. I think that's the next closest person to him that could possibly get it is Tariq Woolen. Uh, let's see. Next, we'll go with comeback player of the year. Who you got for that one? I think it's Geno Smith. Yep. I think it's Geno Smith. Once again, you're talking about a Seattle team who we did not expect anything from any anybody that says that they had Seattle at this point in the season, winning that division is a liar. Anybody that says they had them winning this division at this point with Geno Smith as the quarterback, with the Rams coming back, being that full strength, having Jalen Ramsey back, having Matthew Stafford back, getting Aaron Donald back, with, with San Francisco bringing all those guys back. This is before they got... Um, Christian McCaffrey. Anybody that says they had Seattle winning this division right now is a liar. So is Geno Smith has been he's been balling. He's been balling. He's been handling business. And like you said, they are they've already swept the Cardinals. I believe they have did they beat They lost to the 49ers. They haven't played the Rams yet. That's what I figured. They haven't okay. played the Rams. They haven't played the Rams yet. They've lost to the 49ers once. Um, but outside of that, man, they handle the business in their leading their division. Um, and Geno Smith has been playing lights out. He's been playing lights out. So I got I gotta go with Geno. Yeah, I think that's a no-brainer too. It's, it's definitely Geno Smith. Um, especially if they they keep up the rate that they're going and they end up winning a division. You definitely gotta give it to Geno Smith. I mean I mean, let's just be real. Like he was pretty much after the the stint in New York was pretty much labeled a bust. Um, but pretty much just a journeyman backup quarterback. And now the fact that, you know, he beat out Drew Locke, ended up being the starter, six and three on the year so far for them. Obviously it's just revitalized him. Uh, in his career to to keep him, you know, playing, you know, playing for so long. So, um, I yeah, I see no other way of it being, but does <laughs> Geno Smith for comeback player of the year? Uh, let's go to offensive player of the year. Who you got? That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one, man. Um, you got a lot of guys that's been balling, that's been balling so far this year, from quarterbacks to receivers. Uh, running backs have, has the running back position has been a little quiet. The receivers yeah. has, has been the receivers have been the the, the position that's really been going crazy. Um, but if I had to pick one right now. I would probably say Tyreek Hill. I would probably say Tyreek Hill. I would take Tyreek Hill over, over 
the quarterbacks right now um, in the league. I think Josh Allen is right there. I think Stephon Diggs, he was right there too. But Tariq Hill already has 1,000 yards halfway through the year. He has 1,100 yards throughout the, throughout the first nine weeks. He could end up with 2,000 yards. It's very, very, very plausible that he can end up with 2,000 yards on the season. Like, mm. that's, that's, that's unheard. Like, you don't do that as a receiver, let alone as a running back. And, you know, we've seen Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry did it back-to-back years. But you don't do that from the receiver position. And, like, he's already at 1,000 yards. He's at 1,100 yards right now. I think he's going to end up getting 2,000. Just the way that that Dolphins offense is, his his ability to um, get yards after the catch, that speed is just unmatched. I think he's going to end up doing it. I think he's going to end up getting it because he'll have another game where he goes for 250 yards. Like, he'll have another where – you have another game where it's just like no one's able to to touch him. He's just running by everybody. Um, so I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to go with Tyreek Hill as right now being the offensive player of the year. I would I will also give it to Tyreek Hill just because I would will, I will really want to put him in that MVP conversation, but I feel like at this point now the MVP awards are just giving the quarterbacks um, – so it'd be hard. I feel like it'd be hard for him to win MVP. Um, even though I think he should be in consideration for it. But for if Officer Player of the Year award, definitely Tyreek Hill. I mean, like you said, he's on on pace right now to twenty one hundred yards receiving. I mean, that is that's absurd. And you got to think like they went three games without Tua playing quarterback. <laughs> So we 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 saying now over eleven hundred yards now halfway through the season. Just imagine, obviously, probably you know if if Tua doesn't get hurt and miss those three games, what he really probably could have been on pace on, on pace for. So, um, I, I would I would I would I would want to put like I said I I would think maybe want to put him in the MVP conversation, but I know like I said they they give that to the quarterbacks now at this point. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Tyreek Hill as well. Derrick Henry could kind of make a case, but like you said, the running backs just kind of—they've been a little, yeah, they've been a little quiet. It's kind of been like the quarterbacks and receivers making a, a, a lot of noise. Uh, so I'm gonna go right there with you with with Tyreek Hill. Um, <laughs> I think defensive player of the year is a no-brainer too. Um, are we both gonna go with Micah Parsons? Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't. There's. I don't know who else. I I think if T.J. Watt didn't get hurt, he would still be in that conversation. Yeah, but Michael Parsons is is single handedly wrecking games, and that defensive line, that defensive line for Dallas, is good enough in and of itself. But he's. You're talking about pass rushing, rush stopping. Like, he's doing it all. He's doing it all for that Dallas defense right now. Um, I, don't, I don't see anybody else 
that's on his level defensively that you could say right now definitively is playing better than him on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe outside of Sauce Gardner, but you're not giving it to Sauce Gardner over, yeah. over Michael Parsons. Yeah, I mean, 2026 20, solo tackles on the season so far, eight sacks um, on the year, two forced fumbles. I mean, you could maybe you could make a case for you could probably make a case for Matthew Judon because he he's the only one in double digits right now in sacks. He's got eleven and a half on the season, but he's only affecting it during pass rushing. Like Michael Parsons is doing it both, like you said, rushing the passer in the run game. Just I mean, really, just all over defensively on the football field. I I don't know if um. I'm not ready to give him the – I'm not really ready to just anoint him yet and give him the crown as the best defensive player in the league. I still kind of want to hold that on to Aaron Donald. But Michael Parsons is coming for it. Like, another year or two, if he keeps doing what he's doing right here, we're going to have to give him the crown probably for the best defensive player in the league. Like I said, I still want to give it to Aaron Donald because I just – I'm I want to respect – I want to respect 9-9 because that dude is a beast. But if Michael Parsons keep coming like this, bro, he is going to be – it's going to be him and then, like, whoever is the second person, it's a big gap. That's why I think we're both saying it's Michael Parsons, even though, yeah, Matthew Judon might be the, the league leader in sacks. That's just only one thing he's, like, really affecting the game in, whereas Michael Parsons is just doing it all over. And like you mentioned, if T.J. Watt didn't get hurt, maybe – this conversation would be a different or we make a have that debate on it, but I think it's it's Michael Parsons and everybody else for sure, as far as uh defensive player of the year. Um what about coach of the year? Who you got for probably for coach of the year so far? I'm going with Brian Dayball. Okay. I'm going with Brian Dayball. I know some people um would go with uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, the coach for the coach for the Eagles, but I'm going to go with Brian Dayball. Um, once again, just like Seattle, if anybody says that they saw the Giants being as good as they are with the record that they have right now this season, they lying. They're lying. Um, the Cowboys, I'm not sorry, not the Cowboys, the Giants are 6-2. and two. The Giants are six and two. I don't think I've seen the Giants be six and two since Eli Manning days. I think that's yeah, the last probably, time. What, 2016, probably him and him. Yeah, that's the last time and, we've, seen, we've seen the Giants be relevant. Yeah. Be relevant, especially in November. Relevant as far as playoff spot standings and everything. Right now, obviously, they, you know, you you still gotta catch the Eagles to try to win that division. And they haven't played the Eagles yet. They won't, they won't play them until December. Um, but the Giants right now are looking and are a, a damn good football team. I think the Eagles, you kind of had some of the expectations coming into the season with getting A.J. Brown, getting, some, getting uh, Bradbury, getting some of those acquisitions that they got during the offseason. But I don't think anybody expected the Giants to be where they are right now as a playoff team being four games above 500. Um, Saquon Barkley coming back, he's look like he's going to get his 
get his uh, career back on track. Those injuries kind of sidelined him and slowed him down a little bit those first couple of years. He's back on track. Daniel Jones actually doesn't look that bad. Um, they're using him in the right way. They're using his athleticism to his advantage, so they let him run with the football too, which is smart. Um, I don't think they were allowing him to really, really with Joe, with a Joe Judge allowing him to be able to use his legs and get out and run the ball like I think he would have liked to. So, in um, that defense, with that defensive line, that defense is good. They have a very, very good defense as well. So, I'm going I'm to go with Brian Dayball. I like that one because I, I I like that one. Um, I because I wasn't I wasn't gonna go with Nick Sirianni either because I mean, granted, I don't think we saw the Eagles being the last undefeated team, but the expectations on them were to pretty much they were gonna be the favorites in the division. Um, but I, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the other side of New York. I'm gonna go with Robert Sala. Um, the Jets six and three. I mean, <laughs> you can't tell me you saw that either. The the fact that the Jets are sitting at six and three, only a half game back of the division in the AFC East, where we pretty much thought the Bills were going to run away with it, and then they yeah. pick up the big win. They pick up the big win against Buffalo last Sunday. Um, now have a, another shot here for a rematch against New England, who they just played two weeks ago. I mean, I. I knew that you know obviously the, the the defensive side of the ball is what's helping the Jets for sure. Um Zach Wilson still has his his moments where you can still see that he's still a young cor- a young quarterback. Um and gosh man, I don't if they didn't lose Brees Hall, man, it, it whew, yeah, it definitely would be a different story for sure. Yeah. Um but I mean the fact that they're in contention like that, and 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 part of me also wanted to go with Pete Carroll, but I feel like we've been we we showed the Seahawks enough love already with the awards, <laughs> um, but with what they're doing. But I, I I'm a, I'm gonna go with Robert Sala just because of the work that he's doing. I didn't think I didn't I didn't see the Jets sitting like how we talking about the Giants at six and two. I didn't see the Jets at six and three here halfway through the season. Um, I thought that they would obviously keep getting better with Robert Sala because he is a heck of a coach. But the fact that they're pretty much like we're here in November and the Jets are in like in the thick of things here in both let the division, let alone the division, the, the chance to even be like in the playoffs. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, everybody in the AFC that's in the top, like, five or six has at least six wins. So, I mean, if the, if the playoffs started today, the Jets would be in the playoffs. Like, they'll be the fifth seed. <laughs> so, yeah. I and, mean. And what's crazy is before the season, everybody talked about the AFC West being the best division in, in football. It's the AFC East, man. Yeah. They all teams are over 500. Yeah. Because you got the Bills. Six and two. Uh, we just said you just said the excuse me, the Jets six and three, Miami, I believe, is six and three, and the Patriots five and four. That's a tough div- like we talked about three teams potentially getting in the playoffs in the AFC West. Potentially, three teams in the AFC East could get into the playoffs. Like, if they keep playing the way they're playing, 
the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills could all make the playoffs. And the Patriots aren't too far behind. I think I don't think the Patriots would, would be one of those three teams. Um, I think quarterback play is a little too inconsistent right now. But you can make an argument that three teams in the AFC East could make the playoffs. Most definitely. Most definitely. That's I don't think I know we didn't see that coming from the from the AFC East because we literally thought the Bills would just run away with it, and and then maybe Miami would be that next best team because of every everything that they brought in. But now that the fact that whole division is over five hundred, all those teams you know still have a legit chance of uh, of making the playoffs. So that's um, that's just crazy in itself. And then obviously um, the the biggest award, which I mean, like I said, I hate that other positions are being left out, but it's pretty much now quarterback award, the MVP. Who who you got so far as the MVP of the year of the of the league? Right now, we'll give it to Josh Allen. Um, I think he's been um, the best quarterback in the, in the league so far um, up to this point in the season. I think obviously there are guys that can make a case. I think Jalen Hurts. That was a very, 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 very compelling case with his team being undefeated right now. I think, um, obviously, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go with Josh Allen up to this point. I think he's uh, been playing uh, very, very well. Uh, you got some good wins going on the road, being Kansas City. Um, you got the hiccup against, against uh, excuse me, you got the hiccup against the Dolphins. Um, but you went on the road and you beat uh, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore as well. You got to take up against the Jets, obviously, but we just talked about them and how improved, much improved they are in that defense and that team just as a whole. Um, but he's been lighting it up, and he's got some tough wins on their, on his resume so far this season. So I'm, I'm going to go with Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts to me is a close, is a close second right now. I'm gonna flip it and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts. Um, and the reason why I'm gonna just take him right now at the moment um, is because of the fact that uh, the Eagles haven't lost yet, um, and his numbers are, pre- are pretty. I mean, they're pretty good. I mean, over. T- I mean, you know, he he's not like killing it as far as like passing yards total, but twelve touchdowns, only two interceptions, and six more touchdowns on the ground, so eighteen total touchdowns. Um, obviously, you know, he can know both of his arms and his leg. And just the fact that, you know, Philly is, is, is winning. I'm a, I'm a, that's the case that I'm going to give for, for Jalen Hurts. The fact that, you know, they haven't lost yet, still got the best record in the league. Um, and the fact that, you know, a lot of people were crucifying this man, you know, and it was, it's still early, you know, in his starting quarterback career, he hadn't started that many games. And, you know, people were just wondering, like, if he could really be that guy, that franchise guy for Philadelphia. And I just thought it was too early that people were just trying to, you know, judge it so far. But I mean, you see what happened. We're in year three. I mean, you, you, you seen it from time to time when, when the, uh, when the bills went and got Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen, uh, Miami has done the same thing, getting Tyreek Hill for Tua. Philly went and go got, went and got AJ Brown for, for Jalen Hurts. And you can see like how much he has improved, as a passer to give him his weapons that he has 
on top of the, the fact that, you know, he can still do it both with his arms and his legs. So I'm going to flip it, and I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts as the MVP, um, but Josh Allen is that close second. Um, but I think it could go either way. I don't. I don't think you're wrong either for picking Josh Allen for your MVP. Um, I don't think he's a runner. I don't think it's like a runaway. So it could go either way. But uh, I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts for my MVP so far the season. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's still a lot of ball still left to play. Uh, we, we, we'll see how everything shake down. We'll see how everything shake down for sure. And um, man, let's 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 go ahead and get into these games we got on tap in the NFL. I mean, it's some it's it's some uh some it's some good games this week going on in week ten. Um, <laughs> man, I think I think the biggest game of the day is definitely this 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 game right here is an early game between um the Minnesota Vikings and the Buffalo Bills. Um, obviously the uh the health and question of of Josh Allen's uh elbow uh, is is the biggest topic so far this week. Trying to figure out, you know, if how healthy he really is, um, how bad it is. Uh, it's a a UCL injury to the to the elbow, and I've I've heard a lot of different um quarterbacks on the different you know talk shows and um uh, sports shows kind of say like how significant this injury is. This isn't something that you can just kind of like brush off and it's gonna go away. So I wonder how it's gonna affect. I think he's still gonna play. I don't think he's gonna miss any time, but. Then we got Minnesota here where they um, I only lost to Philadelphia. And I feel like a lot of people haven't really talked much about Minnesota like that uh, for some odd reason. But I think this right here is a, is a, prove, it, a prove it game for them here. So we'll see. I mean, Minnesota, Buffalo, and who, who you got in this one? Man, obviously the, the health of Josh Allen weighs heavily on this football game. I'm of, I'm of the same mindset as you, Sanders. I think that Josh Allen is going to play. I don't know the severity of the injury. Um, I believe I saw the play when it happened against against the Jets in that game this past Sunday um, where he just kind of got caught throwing the ball and got hit. Um, I think he's going to play. Even if he doesn't play, uh, I, I think – Case Keenum is still very capable of playing well because of the weapons around him. Um, if he doesn't play, I, I, I would lean towards taking the Vikings. But with the game being at home in Buffalo, I think that bodes well for the Bills. They've had a lot of injuries going on with them, man. Secondary all uh, the injuries in the secondary and now and now Josh Allen. Um, I'm going to take the Bills uh, regardless of if Josh Allen plays or not. I think them being at home um, is is what makes the difference. I think it's going to be a good game. I was really, really excited for this game because of the matchup with the defenses and these receivers and everything. I think this is the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that Stephon Diggs has played the Vikings since he's left. Um, I think, like I said, if I'm not, I don't think the Bills and the Vikings have matched up um, in previous years since he's been gone. So I was excited for all that. And now with, you know, this whole thing with Josh Allen, that's kind of taking some of the luster out of the game. But I'm going to go with the Bills at home. 
Man, can you talk? That, you, it's funny. That's that's Stephon Diggs trade, right? I feel like that's probably been the most even trade I've ever seen in my lifetime. I feel like both teams won that trade. I don't think there's no loser in it. Yeah, like, Buffalo got the guy they wanted, and I mean, thanks to thanks to Philly drafting Jalen Rager instead of instead of Justin Jefferson, Minnesota gets the guy that they want. I mean, I don't think they pretty much haven't like lost a a, a a number one receiver, and they both gained it regardless of what happened in the trade. I think that's a, that's probably been the most even trade I ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, that was a, that was a solid one for sure. Ah uh, man, I, if this if this game was in Minnesota, I think I would take, I think I would take the Vikings because of you know Josh Allen not being a hundred percent. The only thing that kind of scares me is even like I mean if if Case Keenum can play, it's fine. But the only thing that does is worry me about that is just the fact that. Buffalo still kind of struggles from time to time running the football. Like if it's not Josh Allen being their leading rusher, they still struggle running the football. And I just feel like eventually that's going to like still catch up to them. The fact that they can't get like a guy back there to kind of take that load off of Josh Allen as far as running, running the football goes. Um, But I mean, Buffalo's a three point favorite. And obviously I think that's just the, to me, that's just kind of like Vegas kind of saying, like, Buffalo being at home, we'll, we'll take the points on Buffalo um, instead of maybe going with Minnesota. But uh, I, I think it's still going to be a good game, though, exciting to see. I'm going I'm to I'm agree with you, and I'm going to still take Buffalo just because it is at home. I think that gives them that slight edge, and whether if – Josh Allen can play at full strength or not full strength, or even if he can play. I think with Buffalo being at home, it does give them the slight edge to to take care of Minnesota. Uh, man, one of the afternoon games that's on tap. Um, legendary, legendary rivalry game. Um, two of the most historic uh, franchises uh, in the NFL. What they? Oh my gosh! How many? Gosh, man! How many? Ch- I, Championships all together, I probably couldn't add it up, but I know they at least got <laughs> they at least got nine Super Bowls, not nine of the Super Bowl championships, at least in the Super Bowl era. They got nine of them combined themselves. But we got uh we got the Green Bay uh Green Bay Packers hosting um the Dallas Cowboys. Man, Green Bay's lost five in a row. They seem like they can't get anything together. Um, Aaron Rodgers threw three very un- uncharacteristic turnovers last week against Detroit. Only scored nine points on Detroit, a team he's basically whooped up on his whole career. Uh, and they only get nine points last week. And then, I mean, Dallas has pretty much been rolling, uh, even back with Dak in the lineup. Uh, you know, the only losses to that opening loss to Tampa Bay and then that loss to, to Philly um, last month. Dallas is is, is rolling. Green Bay is not two teams on the opposite spectrum. Does Dallas give Green Bay a six loss in a row? Yep. It is. Yep. I think Dallas goes into Green Bay and they win this football game. Um, Now, mind you, it would not shock me, and this is actually a game where everything lines up 
everything lines up and says that the Cowboys are supposed to win this game, and then they find a way to go and lose it. <laughs> this could be one of those games. I don't see it being that because of that defense. I think that that defense travels wherever they go. Um, good defenses travel. And regardless of whatever struggles the offense might be having for Dallas, whatever's been going on, you know, I was again Dak back and trying to get him back in rhythm and everything with the offense and receivers and things of that nature. That defense and Michael Parsons, who we talked about earlier, is going to make plays and is going to make enough plays to win that football game for them on Sunday. So I'm, I'm going to go with Dallas. As much as it pains me, I'm, I'm a big, big Aaron Rodgers fan. Um, I think he's one of the best quarterbacks to play the game ever. Um, but they just they, – they don't look good right now. They just don't look good right now. They look off. Um, they're not on the same page. Uh, obviously trying to get – these young receivers on the same, you know, on the same wave, wavelength as him and uh, Romeo D- uh, Dobbs, he goes down and everything. It's just, it's been rough. It's been rough for him. Um, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Dallas. Yeah, as much as I don't want to, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Dallas as well. Um, I, I, I think the Packers are done. And and it's funny because I you know we had a previous episode we were just wondering about you know the, the Chiefs and the Packers them missing their you know top receiving targets going to other places like will it really affect it and you know I, I was one to say like until I see it happening and it, is, it don't happen on the football field that I think you should still take Aaron Rodgers and one five into consideration well the Chiefs is holding up the end of the bargain the Packers not so much um, I think they're done. I mean, three and six on the year. Already, like what, three, four games back of Minnesota, and you've already lost to them, and you lost to Detroit. I mean, I just, I can't really see them making any type of run to where they can just come back and run the table. Um, I think the Packers are done. Cowboys go ahead and win another one, and they go to seven and two. Um, I just think that. The, the offensive line is struggling. I mean, if Aiden Hutchinson got getting back there on in the backfield making plays against against that uh, Dal- uh Dallas, I'm sorry, against that uh, Green Bay offensive line, uh, just imagine what Michael Parsons is going to do. Um, obviously, uh, there's there's still Travion Diggs back there, and then offensively, um, it's been it's been even with that coming back, it's been kind of like. Give and go here with uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. They've had um, pretty much stellar weeks back to back. It's been kind of like uh, each each you know this week is your week, the other person this is your week. So you know, hey, we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think uh, I think Dallas will end up taking taking this one. And then on the last game on tap, uh, Sunday night game should be a very entertaining one as well. We got. The Los Angeles Chargers going up to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Um, man, two teams just trying to, you know, find their stride and get everything back going. Um, who, who you got in this one between the Chargers and the uh, 49ers? I wish that both teams were fully healthy. I know that San Francisco yeah. is supposed to get uh, Debo Samuel back, but I wish Keenan Allen was back. 
um, for the Chargers. I wish I wish both teams had their full complement of weapons offensively and defensively because this this would be a, a juggernaut of a match. Uh, yeah. No, no, Mike, no, Mike Williams either. Yeah, you missing Mike Williams? Like, I just, yeah. I think the struggles for the Chargers this year has been because of Ken Allen being out of the lineup, Mike Williams being out of the lineup. They offensively have been searching for an identity and for other guys to step up. You know, look towards Josh Palmer to step up and. um He's I'm not, he, not saying that he's bad or anything, but he's not Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I think he's he's perfect in that role that he's that he's in when they are in the lineup with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in the line, are in the lineup. Um, but he showed up and he's played well with their absence. I think that being in San Francisco, especially now, I think San Francisco just came off a of bye week, so you just gave a, another week for. it. Christian McCaffrey to come in and really, really learn that offense, continue to learn and get comfortable with the moving parts with that offense and everything. The Chargers have a tough time stopping the run game, which is why I don't understand why the Falcons stopped running the football this past Sunday. Hey, hey, hey. I don't even want to talk about them right now. They have a tough time running the, uh, stopping the run. I think that San Francisco is going to exploit that with Christian McCaffrey, with Debo Samuel, getting those guys back. Uh, I think that defense for San Francisco makes some plays. Uh, I'm going to take San Francisco to win this this game on on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with San Francisco, too. Um, I'm right there with you. But I, I hate that both teams are so beat up like that. I mean, no Kenan Allen, no Mike Williams for, San, uh, for the Chargers. Um, San Francisco... I mean, obviously, we know uh, Elijah Mitchell being on injury reserve. No, or no, Eric uh, Armstead, Jason Verrett, man. Oh my God, bro! I, I don't think I ever felt so sorry for a, a, a player in my lifetime, bro. He can't, he can't stay healthy, man. I just, I, 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 I wish I could put my finger on it, but I really can't understand. I mean. Uh, ACL tears in both knees. The left Achilles one year now. This year's the right Achilles. Like, I mean, a, a, a dude who is talented as he is that just can't find a way to stay on the field, and it's just, it's it's real sad. But, um, like you said, got Christian McCaffrey over in that trade. Uh, San Francisco coming off that bye week, so he's getting more implemented into the offense. Debo Samuel's coming back. Um, Brandon Ayuk has has uh, stepped up here in his absence. He's kind of caught stride here lately. So, um, and obviously that there's, I mean, I know they haven't used him as much, but you still got uh, Greg Kittle out there. So, um, I'm gonna go with uh, San Francisco as well. Obviously, Cal uh, Shanahan is, you know, known prevalence for his play calling and uh, getting his guys football, running the football. Like the Chargers absolutely suck at stopping the run. I think it's going to be a. I'd be shocked if Chris McCaffrey doesn't have a a, a kind of like a game that he had against the Rams, where he just kind of does it all um, as he gets more implemented to his offense. And I'm gonna go with San Francisco as well to to go ahead and win this one over the Chargers. Man, so we're getting ready here to wrap up another uh, great episode here of the Easy Money Sports Podcast. Uh, man, this one has been a fun one. Obviously, 
talking about, you know, the rankings and everything, how that's going to go with college football, uh, the NFL being halfway done, giving out our midseason awards. Uh, man, any uh, any shout outs, any last words that you want to give out? Nah, I'm thankful to be feeling better. <laughs> thankful to be feeling better, obviously, uh, being under weather and everything. Um, but nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, man. Just thanking, thanking the Lord for another opportunity to do this. Um, obviously, uh, we play our last game this. Not obviously, but we play our last game this weekend. Speaking for, uh, for my college and, and the team that I coach, we play our last game this weekend. So thankful to make it through another season uh, with the ups and downs and everything that's been going on. Um, it's been a great learning lesson uh, for myself. You know, I know I know for the other coaches on the staff as well. Um, and it's just it's sports, man. <laughs> like. We're in the thick of it. We're in the thick of it. So it's a lot to talk about. So it's fun. It's fun to jump on here and do what we do. So just appreciative of that. That's that's it, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh same, yeah, same shouts out to me as well as always. Man, appreciate your time. Take take it out of time to always uh get on here with me. Uh man, like hey, I'm glad you feeling better too. <laughs> for sure. Um, man. Shout out to you know everybody that's always listening and um, liking and subscribing to the podcast. We we appreciate the support, um, all the followers that we get from um, you know Instagram, Twitter, uh, wherever. Um, the ones who listen to it, you know, as far as out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, we appreciate all the the support. Um, we know we 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 wouldn't be able to keep doing this without y'all, um, man. Shout out to the big man upstairs. Obviously, without him, none of this is possible. Uh, <laughs> love black women, cherish black women, protect black women. Uh, no means no. No means no. You know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. I, I know some of y'all families like to ask about y'all little boyfriends and girlfriends. Um, <laughs> uh, just make sure everything is all good with them. Uh, when y'all get ready to meet each other's families and whatnot. But, you know. Man, make sure everything is done um, in cohesiveness and with consent. <laughs> uh, man, <Please. laughs> man, like, like, and follow um, the Instagram page, the Twitter page. Um, continue to just uh, listen and subscribe to the podcast. Um, keep spreading the word out to your friends. Uh, we are in the process of working on. Uh, our first guest episode coming up pretty soon. We just finishing up some final touches and that will be on the way. We will definitely give an announcement on that. Um, I think we, we both were kind of feeling pretty good about it because, you know, this is somebody that we know. Um, so I think this, I think it feel like no other better way to do it than, you know, kick off our first like guest episode with somebody that we are both, uh, you know, familiar with. So, um, that that's that's on the way. We just you know throwing that out there. Here coming soon, definitely. I know a lot of people been asking when we gonna do that. When we gonna like you know actually give visual projects out. I'm telling like it's 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 coming before you know it. So man, just just keep rocking with us now, and I promise you when when we keep going and elevating with this some more, I want y'all to continue to rock with us, man. Um, 
Until the next time, you know what I'm saying, Lord willing, when we be here again next week, this has been another episode of the Easy Money Sports Podcast. Peace.